Thank you for joining us here on Power of the Cross Radio. Up next, a sermon from Pastor Farrell Wilson of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. Now, sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this message. Okay, Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Let us pray together. Lord, we come again in the name of Jesus, asking for your grace and mercy this morning. Although it's uncertain times, we serve a certain God that is able to do above and exceedingly above all that we could even imagine, Lord. Today we're asking for a blessing to rest upon this church, Lord, as we minister your word, as we hear your word. And I pray that we walk away full of your spirit. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I want to preach to you a few moments about war with the Lamb. War with the Lamb. Making war with the Lamb refers to a war that's actually been going on since the dawn of time. And the challenges that the church and our nation, the world really, are facing today have been going on uh, for many, many years. It's nothing new. The die has been cast a long time ago. And it's really the war between good and evil. It's the war between God and Satan. If you look at all that's going on in our world now and in past years and what will be in the future, it really boils down to that war between God and Satan. And someone rightfully said that Cain was too nice to kill a lamb and offer it up, but he was not too nice to murder his brother. And that has been the way of Satan and his followers since the beginning. The apostles that answered the call of Jesus, they didn't have big ministries and piles of money and giant followings of people. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded. Matthew, known as Levi, was slain by an Ethiopian sword. Mark was dragged to death through the streets of Alexandria. Luke was hanged. James the Less was thrown from a pinnacle. Philip was hanged. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Andrew was beaten and then hung on a cross where he preached to people for two days while he died. Jude was shot to death with arrows. Thomas was run through with a lance. Simon was crucified. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. Matthias was stoned and then beheaded. John the Beloved was the only apostle to really die of natural causes, but he spent most of his years on the island of Patmos imprisoned for the cause of Christ. But you know, in this war, when the devil kills the followers of Jesus, the church only grows stronger in this war with the Lamb. Charles Spurgeon said, Nothing has helped the church more than persecution. And that help could be seen in the early church, really greatly in the early church. It was greatly persecuted. I think one of the greatest persecutions that happened in the early church and most well-known was a man named Polycarp. And Polycarp was the pastor of Smyrna, and he was a disciple of John. A Roman officer demanded that uh, Polycarp publicly renounce Jesus Christ as his Savior. And Polycarp said this is a very famous quote that is echoed throughout history. He said, 86 years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. Can I renounce a king that has saved me? Then the Roman officer said, I'll throw you to the beast. And Polycarp told him to bring it on. 
then I'll have you burn. Polycarp replied, you try to frighten me with the fire that burns for an hour, but you forgot the fire of hell that never goes out. An hour later, his body was ashes and his soul was with Christ. Martin Luther said the church grows and increases through the blood. There was a modern story that shows how the church has grown through bloodshed. In 1997, Pastor Craig Barnes preached a powerful sermon on the persecuted church. He started with this very vivid story. He said one evening soldiers talked about a girl they had raped many times through one night. And through it all, the girl sang hymns, strange evangelical songs, the soldiers said. And she kept on singing even after they shot her in the chest. She lay on the ground with blood flowing out, but she continued to sing hymns. The soldiers grew tired of hearing her singing. They shot her again, and she was still singing. And the soldiers become very afraid and terrified of this girl. Then they fell up on her with machetes, and at last the singing has stopped. For the last 2,000 years, someone has always tried to stop Christians from singing. The report of the soldiers might sound like it's from the early church and years gone by, but it only happened, it happened just, a, just a few years back in 1993. More Christians have died in the 20th century than any other time in church history. Over 150,000 people have been martyred for the cause of Christ each year. They say that over two million are actively persecuted each year. And then upon that, millions and millions and millions more are living with their religious freedoms restricted. But in America, for the most part in the 20th century and beyond, it has been reasonably well for the Christian. We have nice buildings. We take these things for granted. Here we are, well lit. Nice air conditioning, fans going. I know I enjoy it. They can talk about the old days all they want, but I'll keep the AC. Amen. I enjoy the blessings, and we shouldn't take them lightly. We have no government persecution this morning. Nobody's beating down our doors telling us we cannot do this or we don't have to do like in Russia and, and turn in a list of who all attended our church service. It's just a great environment to operate in. You could say it's almost like a time of peace in the war with the Lamb. One would think that the church would flourish during this time, but it did not, spiritually speaking. Satan brought the war inside of the church, and the church never even knew what happened for the most part. Some did, but most still don't realize the war had been brought within the walls of the church. And Satan has brought this war to a different level. He came with the likeness of an angel. But in reality, it was seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Just like he did in the Garden of Eden. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh and the pride of life. It come on the back of messages like word of faith. Government of 12, purpose-driven life, the shack, I could go on. There's several messages that have come down through the church over the years, fads, if you will. It brings another Jesus 
projected by another spirit presenting another watered-down gospel. And the Christians, though, saw something wonderful. Oh, I can be rich. I can have anything. I don't have to worry about holiness. I don't have to worry about conviction anymore. I can have it my way. Is it Burger King that said that maybe? You can have it your way. I don't remember who the commercial was, but I know there was a famous commercial out there. You can have it your way. Satan says things like, God didn't really mean for you to be sober. He just meant you to be moderate. I've never seen one moderate person in my times with dope. When I was out in the world, I can never tell you one time when those lines of cocaine were laid out that somebody stood up and said, just one for me, that's okay. I don't remember being in a bar and saying, I'll just have one beer, sir. I never remember in those times we were getting plastered out of our mind, I'll just have one shot and it'll be okay. I'll just have one fix with the needle and it'll do me. I've never heard that. Just one puff and it will be okay. Just a lie from the devil that he brought in to the church. A little is okay. You don't have to worry about it just as long as you're moderate. And then the lust of the flesh begins to gain traction. It's no more a humble spirit. The flesh wants to be right despite what God says in His Word. The Bible says, be swift to forgive. But now, I am right no matter what. And if I'm wrong, I won't apologize. I will not humble myself, is the cry of the modern church. Then the most dangerous component that Satan has brought into the church. Now this may be my opinion, but I believe it is the most dangerous component of this war with the Lamb that Satan has brought inside of the church is the pride of life. You can be like God. Remember when Satan told Eve in the garden, you can be like God. You can dictate when and where you will go in life. And granted, we have many freedoms, many, many freedoms that we take for granted. I can tell you firsthand of the things that I saw during the Cold War. And I watched these people. And I, I was there a year before and a year after they broke the borders down. The average American has no clue as to what a government can do to people. They couldn't even so much go down to what we would consider maybe Walmart to get groceries without a permit. We have many, many freedoms in the United States that are, again, taken for granted. And we got so many freedoms because of Christianity. And, well, I'll do what I want and I'll go where I want in life, despite what the Word says or what God tells me. The, uh, the devil got so good with this, he says, you don't even need church anymore. Stay at home and watch TV. It's okay. Matter of fact, you might even could be moderate and have a glass of wine while you watch TV. 
you have forever is what Hooffoot says. You've got all the time you need. You don't need to do any of that churchy stuff, Satan will tell you. You have all the time you need. Just take a break and relax. It's okay. There will be plenty of time for that stuff, you'll say. And now, as a result of the war that's come into the church, much of the church lies in spiritual ruin. Oh, we may see big crowds, but most of the chairs in reality or pews, whatever they have, sometimes now it's even a uh, restaurant-type atmosphere. A lot of them are doing that. But despite what they're sitting on, most souls are lost and hurting. There was a major church. I think I know the name of the church. It doesn't really matter. But it was a major, major ministry. If I said the name of it, you would know the ministry. And they took a survey with their church members to find out how people were living. There was no names attached to it. They want an honest survey to see how people were living. And the results were horrifying. To find out church people were bound by drugs and alcohol and pornography and all types of sexual sins. And that is the landscape of the modern church. If that wasn't enough to send chills down our spine... In our opening text, the angel declares there is coming a day that this war is going to be carried out in a degree like never before. Satan is going to attempt to crush and obliterate the Jewish people during the soon coming seven-year tribulation period. It is almost here. The lackadaisical attitude of the church is just one part of the last days. And if you can stomach the news, I know it's hard to watch. So much is going on and all of us feel like I just don't even want to watch it. But if you, just a few minutes of watching what's going on in the Middle East, you will soon discover that the end times are here and it's just about to go. We are in that day that the tribulation period is upon us. The stage is set. Famine is coming. War is coming. I, I, I noticed this morning on the news, Russia said with the missiles the United States is sending Ukraine, they said if one of those missiles land on Russian territory, we will obliterate western cities. They have a... Missile, now, of all names they could give it, it is named the Satan Missile. It is a hypersonic missile that runs over 15,000 miles an hour. We have nothing that can counteract it, and it has 15 nuclear warheads strapped onto it. And as it goes along, it's dropping off. They say they could wipe out the entire United Kingdom with one missile in 30-minute span, and it would be gone. And that's the times we live in. Once again, thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Now, we ask you to help us keep bringing great Pentecostal messages to the world. Join us in our effort to reach the lost by supporting this ministry with a generous offering. We cannot do this unless people just like you give to help cover the costs. On the homepage at www.cross.radio, click on how you can help. 
There you can give by credit card, debit card, or e-check. Let the Lord bless you and use you in your giving. Now, back to the message. But really, watch Israel as the timepiece of God. Because wars and rumors of wars are only going to increase with all nations. But watch Israel. And Israel has said they're about to go to war with Iran. They cannot wait much longer because Iran now has nuclear capability. They believe they are right here at bringing out a nuclear weapon. Matter of fact, the United States and uh, Israel are doing joint maneuvers as we speak of doing practice runs on Iran to hit them before they can launch one. Syria is... Got all nations drawn in it. Turkey said they're about to go into Syria. Russia, if you look on a map of Ukraine, they're coming down to that area. We got the Chinese and, the, and uh, India on the east, and they're all being drawn in the Middle East. Here we are. The Battle of Armageddon is almost set. That Bible reads like a newspaper headline. In this war... As God draws all nations into his holy land, Israel. And this here, if you open up your spiritual eyes and your heart and your mind and, and read the news a little bit, it's here. There's no more waiting. It's here. The war will have its grand finale in a place called Armageddon. There Satan thinks he will do what Hitler attempted to do that he will wipe out God's chosen people. Once and for all, Satan believes that he is going to take them down. And when it looks like all is over, this will be carried across the globe by modern technology as people are watching the Antichrist and his armies march on the small little remnant left of God's chosen people, the Jews. And when it looks like it's done, the Bible says the Lamb shall overcome. He will put down these evil rulers, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and Satan himself will he bring to the ground. Blood will run deep as a horse's bridle on that great battlefield on the plains of Megiddo. How do I know all of this? It tells us in our opening text. Because Jesus is King of kings and the Lord of lords. That title indicates someone who has power to exercise absolute dominion and authority over his entire realm. With Jesus, the realm is all of his creation. When Jesus is called King of kings and Lord of lords, it means that in the end, all other rulers will be conquered or abolished, and he alone will reign supreme as king and lord over all creation. There is no power, no king, no lord who can oppose him and win. In fact, Isaiah said, this lord brings princes to nothing. He said he makes rulers of earth emptiness. The mere, oh, I like this. <laughs> The mere breath of the Lord will make them turn to stubble. 
Daniel's vision of the Son of Man is one he calls the Ancient of Days, who everlasting dominion is over all people, nation, and languages. Paul said in Hebrews, Speak to the Lord Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of the God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. But our opening text also says something wonderful. As you continue reading on about that magnificent part of Jesus Christ being the King of kings and the Lord of lords, look at what it says. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. That's you. That's the Christians that are coming with him. We are called by the Creator to serve him on this earth. You know, we're not called to a life of riding the fence post. We're not called to a life of playing with the world a little bit when we want and playing Jesus in church sometimes. That's not a calling, my friends. We are called to abstain from the very appearance of evil. I think this is the great problem the church is facing as a whole. Every denomination, every ministry, it JSM and the Church of God, the Assemblies of God, the Four Square, the Baptists, the Southern Baptists, the Church of God in Christ, they all have this in common. That their people are not abstaining from the very appearance of evil. That means... If something is called into question of what you're doing, get away from it. You know, if somebody has to say, well, Brother Wilson, I don't know that you should have a six-pack of beer coming out the store. Red flags should be going off. Well, you know, Brother Wilson, I know there's not anything about tobacco in the Bible, but that just doesn't look right a preacher smoking things should start coming into question. I, there wasn't that long ago when I first got in the church of God. I remember some certain church of God ministers. It doesn't matter who they were, but I remember them playing these little poker machines. And I'm, that's gambling, man. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, it ain't no different than pinning the tail on the donkey. That's what I got told. The Bible says abstain from the very appearance of evil. At one time that I was so flabbergasted, I, I, I remember this, it was over a decade ago, and I will never forget it. When the, a man knew me at uh, where I was working at Coppers, and he come up to me and said, Brother Wilson, when do you carry your people to the casino? I said, do what? He said, well, our pastor gets buses and loads us up and carries us over there. And I'd always wondered why they had a big crowd and big buses. And I, then I knew. I said, you shouldn't be going over there. He said, well, God wants you to have a little fun. I said, my friend, that's riding the fence post. The Bible tells you to abstain from the very appearance of evil. Well, how do you think it's bad? I said, it's bad because you walk into a building where you're probably taking your tithe money and throwing down on the table, and then here comes a little girl dressed in a lewd little outfit asking you what kind of drink you want. And the Bible says to abstain from that. I had people invite me to a, something that was off to the side we were doing it. And it had nothing to do with the casino, but it was at the casino. 
And they invited me to come, and I said, I can't go. Why? It has nothing to do with the casino. I said, it would be just about right that I would be standing there with Sands Casino over my head. Somebody take a picture and slap it on Facebook. And then I'm going, I, 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 I. and I knew ahead of time that God said, abstain from the very appearance of evil. My friends, in these days that we live in more so than any other time in Christian history, we have to abstain from the very appearance of evil. Get away from it. Be sober. Be vigilant. The devil is walking around in the dark like a roaring lion looking who he can devour. And that word devour means to chew you up and spit you out. The devil is not your friend. He is not the person that's going to help you out. We now have Satanist groups that are meeting after school. They're putting out publications telling children how wonderful Satan is. My friend, there's nothing good about him. Not one single thing. He is the father of lies. He will tell you, I'll give you everything and I'll give you the world. Just look at all these kingdoms. You'll serve me. I'll give them to you. Jesus knew as soon as that come out of his mouth, he wasn't nothing but a liar. You have to abstain from those things. And Jesus did not leave you defenseless. He didn't. Jesus did, just didn't leave us down here. He said, it's expedient that I go away. Because I'm going to send you a comforter. The paracletos, the one called alongside to help you. You're not here defenseless and helpless. Matter of fact, in this war, God said, put on the whole armor of God. He said, put on your helmet of salvation, the breastplate of love, your shield of faith, your feet covered and ready to go into battle for the Lord. And holding the sword, the word of God, is the standard of your life. And that's true and that's right, but I, I have to add this to it. How's all that happen? Where's my power source? There are some people that, and I'm not joking you, they actually believe they can, this means to stand in front of a mirror and pretend on like you're putting on the armor of God. I'm not joking you. There, there are people out there that have been taught that. There's a major book on it by a well-known author that taught people to do this. And I think it was in the same book. He said, if you sin, you need to do 50 push-ups. I'm thinking myself, boy, if, that, if everybody adhered to that, we'd have people running around looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger off in the church. Their arms be so puffed up and be there 50 push-ups every time. You have to be ready to go into battle at all times. At all times. How do you do it? By the power of the Spirit. The message of the cross is not only for your salvation, it's for your sanctification. This is what the church is missing. I pray these big churches that have big crowds will, will come back to this glorious message again. I don't wish them any ill. I, I pray people like Saddleback Church and even Joel Osteen, my prayer is that they would come back to the true message. Why? Because we can use them. They have that platform to speak to probably millions of people. Why wouldn't we want them on our side? Why wouldn't we want them declaring the truth of God's Word? Because most of the church understands salvation, but they get the sanctification completely wrong. If you want God's power working in your life, you have to exhibit that same faith that saved you. 
You have to have that faith in that finished work of Christ and what He's done at Calvary. And it is supernatural. It is a supernatural power that works in your life when you exhibit that childlike faith. I don't know of any other way that I could explain it any more simpler than that. It just works that way. And it, and it works because you're looking at somebody up here that that power is on display because now I can live my life right. I'm not bound by those drugs and alcohol anymore. I'm not bound by a profane life. God has set me free by his power. And wouldn't a thing I could do to earn it? There's no way that I can perform it myself. I have to have simple childlike faith. Look at the rest of that verse, that opening text that I was just in. You've been chosen. You have been chosen by God. We forget this. I didn't pick you out. You didn't pick yourself out. The creator of all, before you were even born, he knew who you were. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew who would serve him and who would not. You had been chosen early on. So if you've been chosen, follow this. Be swift to forgive. Strike down the hate the enemy has inside of you. Right now, this nation is being torn down through the middle with racial issues. And I have the answer for it. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't sit at a table and debate who's right and who's wrong. We have to do simply this. Forgive each other on both sides. All around us. It's not just black and white issues anymore. It's the, we've got so divided. Even the church is fighting amongst denominations. We have to stop it, and there's only one way. You have to obey the Word of God and be swift to forgive and say, I'm wrong, and strike down that hate in our heart. Be ready to share the gospel. Be ready for the tax. Be ready for the rapture of the church. Be ready for the rapture of the church. Your lamp better be burning. Your wick better be trimmed. You don't believe me, read the parable about the ten virgins and see what God said. All ten were saved, but only five made it. Be full of the Holy Ghost. Woo! I know this modern church will say spirit and they don't like ghosts, but I just kind of like saying Holy Ghost. I just like it. Why? Because I know what the word means. I, and it's not, if I can understand it, anybody can. It, just when they were translating the King James Version of the Bible, there was an Anglo-Saxon word, ghost. And in, in the points and the times they used it in the Bible, they used spirit and they used ghost. But the times they used it, it means divinely invited guest. Not like a spook or a hate like we know it nowadays. It's just like the word, how the word wine has been changed over the years. The word wine now means something totally different than it did back at that time. Completely different. It's not the same word. And so it is with the word ghost. The word ghost means it is a divine. He's holy. He's divine. He's invited into your life. So be driven by the power of God so much that when the devil sees you getting up in the morning, he has to take a handful of aspirin. That's how much you need to be full of the Holy Ghost. And last but not least, that last word in that opening verse, if you didn't get anything else, pay attention just for a minute. 
I know you did, but if you didn't, by some chance, pay attention just for this last second of this sermon. This you will enjoy. Faithful. Called, chosen, and faithful. In this war with the victorious Lamb, His army is faithful. Be found faithful in the war. Not, not somebody that is run off from the war. Not a deserter. Not, not, a, not a draft dodger. Somebody that has stood toe-to-toe with the enemy and been faithful in this war. That war is going to come to your home if it hasn't already. That war is going to be in your church. It's already here. It's in there, but it's going to continue. The, war, the wars we're having across our globe, the, in the spiritual battles that we don't even know about that are going on right now as powers and principalities are waging war against heavenly angels. But be found faithful in that war. Pray. Our weapons are not carnal. It's not an AR-15 or a three fifty-seven Magnum. Our, our power and our weapons are supplication and prayer. Tearing down the strongholds with them. If you don't know what to pray for, pray for me. Pray for the church. If you just absolutely can't find anything to pray for in the morning, if you got all prayed up, pray for me. <laughs> Lord, keep, keep the powers back from Pray for our family. I'm praying for you. Pray for the church as a whole. Pray for our nation. There's always something to pray about. Always. You should never be vacant in prayer. You should always have something to pray about. Being found faithful in this world. And I'll close with this short excerpt on faithfulness from Vance Havner. If you've never heard of Vance Havner, he was a little old bitty skinny white man. He preacher boy, but I, he was just so hard hitting. And what I'm about to read to you, I just let it soak it in. It's good stuff. It's hard, but it applies to all of us. God is faithful and He expects His people to be faithful. God's Word speaks of a faithful servant. Faithful in a few things. Faithful in the least. Faithful in the Lord. Faithful ministers. And all points up that day when He will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What terrible times we have in our churches trying to keep people faithful in attendance and loyalty. How we reward and picnic and coax and tantalize church members into things they don't want to do, but which they would do if they love God. The only service that counts is faithful service. True faith shows up in faithfulness. Not everyone can sing. Not everyone can preach. But all can be faithful. You would stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. This brings us to the end of this sermon. Don't forget to help us in our effort to bring the message of the cross to the world. We need your prayers and financial gifts to make that happen. Also, be sure to check out our website schedule and prayer wall at www.cross.radio. Power of the Cross Radio streams great Christian music and sermons all day, every day. Again, thank you for joining us today and may God bless you and keep you. Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. Visit them on the web at www.cfministry.com.